Welcome to Wise and Nice, a true crime podcast with your hosts Danny Armstrong and Kelly Lee. Please remember that we mean no disrespect to anyone mentioned in this episode or across any of the Wise and Nice platforms. We have an interest in true crime and related topics, and whilst we may offer our own personal views on certain items, it is meant to be educational and as light-hearted as possible. The information we present is collated from research gathered from the internet, and we reference and credit our sources wherever possible. If you've liked what you've heard and want to join in with us, follow us on our socials, Instagram, Wives and Knives the Pod, Twitter, at Knives Wives, and Facebook, Wives and Knives Pod. We also have a little website where we post photographs and other information about the cases that we research. And this is wivesandknives.wixsite.com forward slash my site. Five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Hello. Hello, everybody. And welcome to Wives and Knives. Welcome. So today we're going to do some like updates, mini cases, things that we've been hearing about in the news and stuff like that. But we'll start with a catch up. Kelly, how are you? Yeah, I'm not so bad. Um, I'm going to use my catch up just to say apologies that we've not put an episode out for the past two weeks. Um, There's just been a real lot going on and sometimes we all need a little break. Um, that said, I guess that I should have posted something on the socials though, so my bad, um, just to let you all know what was going on. So catch-up wise, for me, just as I said, a lot going on. Um, super busy at work, busy Fucking with... knackers. Yeah, busy knackers. with my multiple side hustles, um, looking... We've had a chat about that. Hashtag boss babe. Shut up, no, I hate that. Um, anyway, yeah, in general, just looking forward to a break over the Easter weekend. Yes, yeah. you're getting a break over the Easter weekend. Are you going to not do things for a few days? Yeah, kind Good. of. Well, that's my plan. So, yes, because of my tardy editing, because I've had too much going on, we've now got an episode in the bank, which I'm thinking I'll try and get it sorted and put out perhaps as a bonus episode at some point. Nice. Yeah. And we're going to have a big case next week, which yes, we are. Danny's doing. Um, but as you said, this week it's updates and anniversaries. So, shall we continue? Yes. So, I'm not going to massively go into these two because we have got separate episodes for each and then some. However, um, Claudia Lawrence was back in the news recently because it's been 13 years since her disappearance. And despite some movement on the investigation, which prompted a focus search of sand hut and gravel pits in September of last year, no discoveries or arrests were made. So it's, I think Claudia's case interests a lot of people because um, there's a lot of speculation around Definitely. it. There's still so much about it in the media um, online, especially for a case that is now 13 years old. Yeah, exactly. There are quite a few online sort of groups and forums that you can join. Very active ones. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, but it's kicked off recently in uh, the groups on Facebook. So yeah, there's, like, there's a lot um, of people who um, deem themselves experts on this case. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a new group that's been created and uh, some people have been removed from the old group. 
accusations of flying there are spies in each camp i mean i'm there for the information and sort of well-backed um balanced sort of viewpoints and ideas on the case but i find the drama is an added little entertainment bonus it really is and as long as it doesn't detract from people actually raising awareness then i am absolutely all for being a spectator another case that we covered and was our first ever episode and we keep saying we'll go back to it to be fair don't we and that uh, is Charlene Downs case it was her birthday on the 25th of March so that's another little anniversary yeah I believe she would have been 33 that's right yeah one of the little update I've got before we continue is that Matthew Selby has been given his sentencing date for later this month April the 26th I know I mentioned this in a mini episode, but Matthew killed his sister Amanda last year in July. Now he's actually admitted manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, um, so that he strangled his sister whilst they were on a family holiday in Wales. A full inquest is expected to be held once all the court proceedings are finished, and um, so I guess we won't know more about the whys or you know the motivation. Uh, or what Matthew actually says, I guess, happened within that inquest. But that'd be something interesting to look for when it happens, I think. Shed a bit more light on it. Yeah, definitely. So I believe you're going to speak about Bobby. Yeah, Bobby and McLeod. So um, the reason that this has come up particularly this week is just four or five days ago, five days ago, I think, um, Cody Acklin admitted to murdering Bobby Ann McLeod. Now, Cody Ackland is 24 and part of a band local to Plymouth where this happened called Rakuda. And this has been a very like speedy investigation and for him to admit, obviously, is going to um, like make it a lot easier at the trial and her family won't have to sit yeah. through a super long time. But if you don't know about Bobby, Bobby Ann McLeod was a 18-year-old girl who went missing on Saturday the 20th of November, 2021. It was 6pm and she... Sorry, that was my dog shaking. Um, it was 6pm and she was going to meet... Some sources say some friends, some say her boyfriend. Maybe it was both. Now, Bobby Ann is a very small lady, um, like slight, but also she's four foot eleven. So Aww. she's a. I imagine her as one of those. You know those girls that always look a bit like fairies. Yeah. Just like so beautifully, like petite and tiny. Whereas, like, I'm more of like a Hagrid type of girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like. She was super... You are not Hagrid. Oh, my gosh. Super petite. So, um, yeah, you... I just... I really feel for her. Like, she was snatched from the bus stop. And all that was left at the bus stop were her AirPods and some tobacco. So, not a lot of what actually happened has come out about this case obviously because it's still ongoing but she's so so tiny she wouldn't have had much defense against someone taking her and oh god um my heart really goes out to her and her family 
Yeah, and as soon as she didn't meet her mates who she was going to meet, she was reported missing, everyone was looking for her. Um, they put out sort of notice about what she was wearing, which was just like trainers, jeans, jumper, you know, like just... And um, yeah, a search started almost instantaneously and the police and media were involved the day after. So it was really quick in, in looking for her because there was no reason for her to go missing. It wasn't, um, it wasn't easily sort of explained you know like some people oh they, they go out and they end up staying at friends and like she wasn't like that so it was out of um the ordinary straight away and it was only three days later on the 23rd of november her body was found in a place called bobby sands which is also like in the plymouth area it was just seven miles from the bus stop and um uh, two arrests were made so Cody Ackland, 24, and another male who hasn't been named that was a little older, I believe 27, um, both arrested and then the other man was released without charge. Um, so yeah, his identity is still protected, but he was nothing to do with it. Um, all that I could find out from media was that something to do with a van was connecting the crime to Bobby to these two men as well and whatever they have found they were able to arrest and charge Cody super quickly talking a matter of days and that's not normal really mm -hmm. so I would be very interested to hear more about um, how this was investigated and what it was that linked Cody to the crime because there is actually believed to be no link between Cody and Bobby like in social circles mm -hmm. or anything like that like I said, he was in quite a popular local band. Um, the kind of band that if you're in the area... Yeah. Like, you would know. But it wasn't said that, like, she was like, a fan of them or anything. Like, she never mentioned them before. It wasn't something that her friends were really into. And he didn't have any links to her either. So I think it's a little more terrifying if you can even say that that it does seem so random yeah like it is a stranger um a stranger murder and that is is terrifying because it could have been anybody yes. that kind of thing so yeah he is due to be sentenced on the 19th of may so i will be keeping my eyes and ears open for reports on that Something that I was discussing with Kelly just before we started recording is when I was just doing a little bit of research on this, there is forums with hundreds of people discussing Cody Ackland himself because he is not what one might picture. Um, and to, to be honest, the people that were discussing this were like, isn't it shit? that when we know someone has committed an awful crime, we stereotype what they'd look like. So I was saying, if you are talking about, oh, this guy snatched this young girl off the street and killed her, I'm picturing either sort of your creepy, like Fred West looks a bit grubby kind of guy, or your um, really built, fuggish looking Levi Belfield. Whereas Cody isn't any of these. He's like 
a by many people's um, sort of standards a good looking young lad he was really popular in a band that were doing quite well for themselves locally he had fans um there was nothing or there doesn't seem like there was anything that led up to this so i'd be so interested to hear more about um how they caught him so quickly but it is also shitty how myself included but i think the majority of people have this stereotype in their head of what somebody who can commit these vile crimes would look like um when yeah he falls outside that kind of narrative that i have in my head and yeah there's forums of people just discussing this but fucking vile what he did and yeah kelly had you heard much about that case or no not massively i'll be honest i have heard of it but um well it did kind of come and go so quickly because it was solved yeah i guess that's it um but i think it like you said it's very interesting how we have like an image of what um the bad guy looks like in our heads but Mm -hmm. for me i'm just uber cynical i'm like everybody looks like a bad guy to me (laughs) (laughs) you have to prove you're not basically in my head Mm -hmm. um but yeah very interesting uh i think i'm going to discuss another another case just now which has been in the news but it's interesting you said it's like scary that there's no prior connection because i think that then sort of um supports that everybody can be a bad guy yeah and everybody everybody, exactly so i'm going to just quickly talk about sabina nessa which who sabina's you know been heavily it's been heavily heavily documented in the media um, but her killer has just been jailed for life. This happened on Friday, just gone. So Sabina Nessa was murdered on the 17th of September of last year. She was a year one teacher at Rushy Green Primary School in Catford. So after a long week at work, she'd headed out to meet friends and enjoy herself. Um, but sadly, her body was found the next day, um, partially covered in leaves in a park. This is Cater Park in the Kidbrook area of South East London. Now, the killer had actually driven from his home in Eastbourne, East Sussex, in a premeditated plan to I've kill been to someone. Have you? Yeah. Ah. So yeah, he'd like driven all that way, like with one thing in mind, basically, just to find somebody more than likely uh you know any lone female and sadly he he came across spina now he severely beat her and assaulted her before killing her by asphyxiation in is in what is clearly a sexually motivated attack and for me it's just another young woman uh violently violently attacked like a completely blameless victim like bobby ann and like just not safe walking through a park at night and um, it's just for me it's just too many bright and promising young women you know and continually yeah. hearing about it on the news it's just another victim and it's just not to sound like the old lady that i am but what is the world coming to you know um so yeah i wanted to mention that uh, like i said he has been given life so that's something um, just before we go on to any more cases, speaking of uh, horrible people, 
Have you watched the Jimmy Savile documentary? Yes, I binge watched it. I started Friday night, finished it Saturday morning. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it. I've seen a, quite a few documentaries about Jimmy Savile. I think we all know what a twat he was. Um, but what I've noticed was like recently on on Twitter and other social media platforms is how a lot of um, non-British people, mainly Americans, are saying it's so obvious like that he was evil. How did yeah. you not notice it? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we were discussing it at work on Friday, which then made me go and watch it because a few of them mm. have watched it. Now, a lot of the people I work with are like a generation older than me. So they grew up watching Jim Will Fix It, whereas I didn't. And they remember how loved he was. I don't, because <laughs> I was born in 89. Um, and I knew who Jimmy Savile was, but to me, he always looked creepy. Mm. But I was very little, don't remember the time when he was... Beloved by Yeah, me. exactly. So forever to me, he's Jimmy Savile the paedophile. <laughs> but they remember Jimmy Savile from Jim Will Fix It. And them trying to explain to me how loved he was is so mind-blowing because I have only seen the other side. So this documentary... Um, was sort of further reaffirming to me what they had said because a lot of it especially the first part was about how loved mm, he was yeah um and how a lot of his um, things that might have raised eyebrows to put it lightly were excused because it was part of this that sort of theatric um like personality also like it like a smokescreen veneer yeah. that he created whereas he was doing these fucking awful things but particularly part two of the documentary it had clips from um tv shows and there was one in particular where he was making jokes about like oh i'm barred from all girls schools and stuff like that and i was like oh my god he's telling you yeah he is telling you and everyone was like oh naughty old jimmy i'm like you fucking kidding me but I know you've seen that's what the Americans are thinking as well. Well, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I am obviously I'm quite a bit older than you, and I I'm very similar to your work colleagues. And like I was a kid when you know, like through the eighties. Yeah. So for me, Jim um, will fix they it. They all wanted to be on Jim will fix Everybody it. Everybody wanted to be on Jim will fix it because well, he would fix it for you to do whatever you I wanted. I didn't realise how fucking amazing the things they did on Jim will oh, fix yeah. it were because I've never seen it. The first time I saw it was like yesterday or Friday when I was watching that programme and mm. it had clips of it and I was like, God, that was magical. It was amazing and, you know, as I say... As a child, you did want to be on Jim Will Fix It. You wanted the Jim Will... Father Christmas. Pretty much. Um, no offence, Father Christmas, if you are listening. Oh, no, Father Christmas. I just saw him as, like, this magical figure who was very eccentric, but absolutely nothing to worry about. Um, he had the backing of so many important people that thought he was amazing. So everyone thought he was just this fucking mm. saint. But... I, as I got older and he was still around, I was like, he's mega creepy. Yeah. And I remember My sort of like... My thought he was mega creepy. I remember yeah, that. I remember, like, when I watched the documentary, I was like, oh, God, 
like you know <laughs> he is admitting absolutely everything but everyone just thought it was a laugh and it was a joke but saying that if Americans are saying you know it was obvious how did you not know I would refer those people to the BBC and the royal family because he was protected like possibly like maybe they, some of them did have knowledge but he was protected because of his you know involvement with these people and mm. all the good that he did but oh he even says that himself when yeah. he's talking about going to heaven and um, he has he's done all this good so it'll outweigh the bad and that was what was working for him in real yeah, yeah. life at that time is but that's the thing like i say i think it was okay not okay but it's understandable for those people like myself who were young we were children so it's understandable that we didn't know then but later on when we were adults and he was still doing it if you watch some of those clips it's like on top of the pops and he's actually assaulting somebody on camera and you can see it and i wonder is that because at the time it was slightly acceptable that mm. you know like oh it's just a bit of a laugh you know or like him um, like downplaying the victim because of his fame yeah to to a point i just oh i don't think it was that much of a shock to me like when those things when it finally came out no. Because I did always think when I was older, oh, creepy. Like, I would definitely not want to sit on his knee. But, yeah, I did think, like I said, I've seen a few documentaries about Jimmy Savile and I thought that this one was very good. However, it was only, like, we got to probably halfway through the second episode before we actually heard from any victims. Yeah. So, you know, there are other documentaries that you can watch which mainly focus on the victim stories and I would say they're also, you know, worth a watch. Definitely. I think this gave a bit more context to yeah. him. Mm. But there's definitely more that people could do to educate themselves on what happened. Definitely. So let's move on. You're gonna tell us about Corey. Yeah. So, um a lot of you will have probably heard of this because it was and is like quite a well reported case it is of Corrie McKeague so I'm just turning my page so if you don't know um Corrie McKeague was a 23 year old um lad and eight days after his birthday on the 23rd of December he headed out for a night out in Bury St Edmunds that's it and Corrie was like a super popular, fun-loving man. He was highly regarded in the RAF. He was based at RAF Honington, which is in Suffolk. And he had a girlfriend called April Oliver, who was on holiday at the time. So, yeah, really sort of popular, good lad and he was going for a night out with some mates he had driven into Bury St Edmunds and was going to meet them leave his car there and go get it in the morning so obviously he was going to have a drink so he gets into town at 11 and meets some of his friends and Corrie was like a big goer outer do you know what I mean like people in the bars and clubs knew him 
Yeah. Um, it has been reported in some like um, newspapers that he had turned to drink quite heavily because of one of the deaths of one of his friends that had happened when he was a teenager. And maybe he did use drinking as a bit of a bit of a crutch at times, but it definitely wasn't like impacting his career or his friendships or his relationship or anything. But he, he liked to drink. Um, so yeah, regular at these bars, everyone knew him. He's the kind of lad that would just make friends on a night out. Um, he was going over to tables and like introducing himself and stuff. Um, proper like a life and soul of the party kind of guy. And they ended up in a nightclub called Flex that they frequented regularly. Now, by 1am, Cory was noticeably drunk. Like, the people in the club were like, he should not drink anymore. So he was actually asked to leave, but it wasn't like a chucking out, violent, dragging him out kind of thing. Um, he was just sort of told, like, we're not going to serve you anymore. You've definitely had enough. It's probably time for you to go home. And he left amicably. He actually had a chat with the guys on the door. Um, he sort of knew them socially and he left. He went to a takeaway quite nearby that was like his fave and he got some food while he was in the takeaway he made friends with some people and was playing rock paper scissors with them so not like a angry oh my god i've been chucked out kind of drunk no he was accepting he'd had too much and he was he was gonna go home so at 1.20, he was actually sat having his food in a shop doorway and he either fell to sleep or just sat there for bloody ages um, because it was actually two hours he was in that shop doorway. So we don't know what his plan was, whether he was going to try and walk back to his um, RAF base. However, it's said that that would be about a three hour walk. Wow. So, bit of a trek if he was gonna. Was he planning to sort of kip wherever and like meet his mates after they came out of the club? We don't really know. Um, obviously, he was on his own, but like, it, I know we've just been talking about like um, women being vulnerable on their own, and they shouldn't be at all. But I, I think if like I was out with one of my friends and one of them got sent out of the club would make sure that they were like in a taxi or yeah sort of thing but with lads i think it is a bit different and none of his mates were concerned because like Kari made friends everywhere he was it was that he was like a strong lad as well do you know what i mean like they wouldn't have thought of him as vulnerable being on yeah. his own at all so it wasn't like a concern that he'd gone off to this shop on his own kind of thing so was Corey gonna wait for them what was his plan i have wondered since the beginning of this why hasn't he gone back and slept in his car like there's no answer to that it's just something that stuck out for me yeah, i was like point. why has he not done that but he's pissed he's probably not thinking about that no no so, um so yeah he actually sits in this um door shop doorway for two hours um just after three twenty-five, he was seen on cctv and this is the last sighting of him he was entering a loading bay behind a grag so we're talking like a dead end almost like a little courtyard 
with those big like biffa bins mm. round the side, a few parked cars, but only one way in and out yeah. covered by CCTV unless you were to leave via one of the premises that backed onto it. Do you know what I mean? So you yeah. could go in, go through the back of Greg's or whatever else backed onto it and out the front and you won't be caught on the same CCTV mm. again. But unless you go into one of those properties, the CCTV would catch yeah. you. Okay. So this like little area was known locally as the horseshoe. And like I said, only way in and out was covered by CCTV. And Corrie enters this area and he's never actually seen again. So he was reported missing the following morning and there was loads of police interest and um, press interest straight away and a lot of people were like drawn to it because he was seen going into this area and never seen again. It was intriguing for a lot of people. Also, um, one of the reasons that it was focused on so heavily straight away and it wasn't like, oh, he's gone AWOL, it was like, this is a investigation. Because a little before that, um, there was like an attempted, what's the word? Like an attempted kidnap on another RAF oh, yeah. officer. And I was going to say snatching, that's not the right <laughs> word. Um, a little before that, so I think there was a bit more sort of heightened awareness anyway. So the police are on it straight away and um, his girlfriend comes home from her holiday. Obviously a lot of concern because it wasn't like him to go missing like this. Mm. He was a very um, respected member of the RAF, like he was a reliable guy. And people thought something bad must have happened to him. Um, he was known to like sleep anywhere. It was like a well-known thing that he would, for instance, sleep in or on one of these big bins, yeah. um, in a doorway, whatever, if he's had a drink, he'll just go to sleep and wait till the morning kind of thing. So people wondered if something bad had happened to him, if someone had preyed on him. There was lots of people who'd seen him that night because he was wearing quite a distinctive outfit. I think it was like white jeans, a light coloured shirt and some Timberland boots. And yeah, so loads of people had seen him and it was just like he had just fucking vanished. So the police start tracking his phone and it was obvious that the next day, like the same day, so he went out on the 23rd and went missing on the 24th. You get like, because <laughs> I think I said, I don't know if I said he went missing on the 23rd when really it was the early hours of the 24th or what I said, but basically that's what happened. And they tracked his phone, it travelled 12 miles and they were able to sort of see what matched this path that his phone took and it was actually a bin lorry that collected the biffa bins from the horseshoe and took it to like a tip disposal yeah. site kind of thing. At this point his phone went dead <coughs> so it was either destroyed or turned off. Now they did wonder if Corrie was in the bin that was taken or whether it was just his phone but the weight of the bins are recorded and the weight of the bins that were collected were said to be um, under the weight of what Corrie was so he couldn't have been in the bin. However, these were just sort of 
the kind of weights that were done by hand it wasn't there was not much procedure by it but at that point they were like right okay that's fine um they theorized that he could have gone in there and then left in a car and 23 other people were seen that night on the same cctv going in or around the horseshoe and the police spent 2.1 million pounds on this investigation looking for Corey and trying to trace these 23 people of which they managed to trace most of them but not all of them so they really did look into every single lead they could all the properties that backed onto the horseshoe things like that but nothing led them to Corey. and for a long time that is all we've really known it's there's loads of videos on YouTube, particularly that are like the mystery of the man who disappeared. And yeah. um, C Red did a great sort of in-depth look at this. And there's loads of other podcasts that have covered it. That was just a really brief overview. But for a long time, it was like a full-on mystery. And there was less and less reporting about it. However, behind the scenes, the police were following every single lead. And they kept going back to the bins and the bin collection and there has been more and more investigation into this and it seems that the weight that was taken from the bins initially has been discredited and i wondered if i'd written down the exact no i haven't written down the exact weights i'm very sorry but a few weeks ago on the 7th of March an inquest was held and this actually lasted until the 22nd of March and all the information was laid in front of a jury there was lots of stuff that had never been reported in the police um, about the bin collections and it was concluded that Corrie was in one of those Biffer bins he was said to have died of like asphyxiation or um, like multiple injuries as it had the bin had gone through like a crusher which is fucking horrible oh God, yeah. um, it was said that he must have climbed into the bin and they actually revealed that the weight had definitely been recorded incorrectly and it could have like it accounted for Corey's weight in there yeah. and his whole family have just been wanting an answer his mum's actually spoken really publicly saying that now she has heard all the information and because i i assume she was just getting bits and bats and she was for a long time she was saying no Corrie can't have been in the bin but now she's had all the information she does 100 percent accept that that's what happened and Corrie has never been found and um obviously they've looked at sort of the path of where he could have ended up and yeah still nothing but um super sad really sad sad and a very tragic accident there's been a lot of um, sort of awareness and i'm not going to say petitions because i don't know if that's true but like people have been saying that these bins should be better um, maintain so have like locks on them and the locks should be secured because they do have locks but they aren't always used yeah and there should be sort of more protocol around it i did read somewhere that when these bins are collected they're supposed to like check there's no one inside and like but they normally do that just by giving the bin a kick like that kind of thing so 
there's definitely um, a lot going on looking to, looking into the protocol of how these bins are collected. But it is a tragic, tragic accident. However, I am glad that the family have been given this opportunity to see all the evidence and hopefully it gives them some kind of closure and they won't always be wondering. Yeah. But yeah, it's been... Um, I thought it would be a good case to let you all know about if mm. you didn't know about it already because there was a lot of mystery um, surrounding it and it's sad that now the mystery is solved it doesn't lead anywhere positive but yeah. there we go Aww. yeah like it's a very well known case and like you say it's it's nice that the family have got some closure around it mm. it's just a shame that there was so many inconsistencies that have maybe added to the length of time yeah you know and um, so I guess finally I'm just going to give you an update on another case um, that's been in the news recently which is the case of Angel Lynn. Che Bowskill has had his sentence increased to 12 years I believe from seven and a half years which I think is pretty paltry to be honest. Have you heard about this case? I hadn't heard of the names, but when you described it to me, I had heard it. Yeah, so you you probably the same as listeners, I bet we have heard of this, but um, Che Bowskill and Angel Lynn were in a relationship for some time, but they were no, long, no longer together. And in September of last year, um, Bowskill and his friend Rocco Sansom actually kidnapped Angel off the street. So there was... Um, Angel and, and Che were having a an argument of some description and he then in a in a planned attack I guess took her, bundled her into the back of the mm. van. So he's in the back of the van with her and this Rocco Sanson's driving the van and not obviously don't know what happened but Angel ended up falling from the van. And she was found lying in the road, like seriously injured. Uh, she survived, but she's been left with catastrophic brain injuries and she remains in hospital mm. to this mm. day, yeah. like requiring round-the-clock care. Um, so like this once outgoing and active young woman has had her life ruined by a likely jealous, controlling and coercing ex. Um, so, as I said, I don't know if 12 and a half years, or sorry, 12 years is enough, you know. Angel is breathing unaided now, but she wasn't always, you know, she, for a, a very long period mm. of time she was having, you know, assisted breathing. But she will never have a life, you know, what she likely dreamed it would be for her, no, you know. No adventures, no career, no love and good relationships, if you know what I mean. She's... Mm her life has been ruined by this act so i just found it i find it i don't know i wonder had he actually killed her and you know completely ended her life would he have got more time yeah you know i just think it's really because i feel like you know she's still alive bless her but she has no life now yeah her quality of life has been completely oh, diminished by what he's done absolutely i think he should be in there for 40 50 years not yeah 20, i think 12, there's a lot more to this case um if you want to look into it i i would say do because there's like um his brother has 
said some horrible things about Angel on social media. Her family have like requested that he takes things down and he just seems to be glamorising his older brother and his actions and I just think that's completely fucked to be quite honest. You know, it's really sad. Um, And again, it just feels like another young woman who's had her life taken by a twatty boyfriend and I just think Christ enough already I, I just think it's really sad really sad um so yeah I guess that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's episode yes. so anything else we want to talk about with our listeners no I don't think so um I'm gonna do a soul serial killer next week <laughs> so that should be good Um, interesting yeah so i hope you're all okay and we shall see you next week yeah have a lovely easter whatever you're doing um yeah and we'll see you soon bye bye